Well, ladies and gentlemen, we're back after what seems like a relatively long hiatus. It was definitely intentional. There was a period of time where I just needed to be away from all things that had to do with the podcast, social media, and really like life in general. If you can't tell, I am sick again. I had flu A and now I don't know what's going on, but some kind of respiratory infection or something. So that's great. You guys get this real nice nasally Amanda. So I apologize in advance. But we have a lot to talk about today. Um, I'm sure you guys are sitting on the edges of your seats. Curious to know... How did the divorce trial go? Well, what I'm going to do is I'm going to take you through the 72 hours the day before the trial, the day of the trial, and then basically the 24 hours after. After that, I'll give you guys a first-hand view of what the rest of my birthday experience looked like as well as just kind of what the rest of the week had in store for me. Following that, we're just going to dive right back into what episode 18 should really be about, which is resuming the story, my story. And where you guys were left off with was, um, it was a cliffhanger, huh? I had just seen a video of what could only be described as my then-husband's bodily fluids leaking out of an OnlyFans girl's um, body, and that was shocking, to say the very least. So, without further ado, my name is Amanda Arnier, and this is The Dichotomy Diaries. Let's dive in. Alright, so, let's paint the scene. February 7th, I woke up and I had booked actually a last minute flight to Las Vegas because part of me, part of me actually believed that this would be settled given everything that I was submitting to the court, all of my evidence and everything. I I really did assume that they would send over a settlement offer, Um, but I was prepared to go to Las Vegas for the trial. So I booked a last minute flight to Las Vegas and it was for the evening time. I believe it was around like 7.45 or something like that. So I packed my bags quick, just throwing in stuff for court. And I really only wanted to be in Las Vegas for 24 hours because that place just gives me the ick and reminds me of everything that has happened to me there and just I didn't want to be around any of it plus as you know Super Bowl was being held in Las Vegas and so there was just like a lot of like anxiety around me being like around all of that and it was I guess how do I say bittersweet doesn't even seem to cover it like I knew that February 8th no matter what I would be divorced, but I didn't know what would come along with that. 
would I be granted what I was asked for? Would he be held responsible for the things that he had done? I had no idea, but all I knew was that I had prepared as much as I could with the knowledge that I had to present like all of my findings and, and all of my evidence to the court in hopes that they would make a just decision. So my father drove me to the airport and um, he was going to be watching my dogs that week. So I had my dogs in the car um, and he was dri- we were driving my Jeep. So he drops me off. He's like, hey, no matter what happens, like you're really strong and, you know, you're going to get through this and, you know, just one day and we're going to be on the other side of this. My dad's very, very supportive. Okay, so I give him a hug and a kiss, and he's like, just let me know if you need anything. I had not even booked a hotel room because I, again, I was like, I should do that, but I'll just wait till I land, and there's tons of hotels in Vegas that I can just get a cheap room at. But I was planning on talking to people um, and seeing if there was anybody who had points that I can use because I know a lot of people there, and they had always offered me this if I needed it so I plan to reach out to those people on the plane and then see what happens and just take care of it when I land so I check my bag I get through security and all of a sudden my phone's ringing and I look at my phone and it's my dad I'm like oh shit I forgot something and I pick up the phone I'm like hey what's up and he's like screaming he's like oh my gosh I'm so sorry I was getting on an on-ramp and a semi just like crashed into me and I'm like what and all I'm thinking is that my dogs are running around 90 about to get hit by cars and that my dad's injured and I'm like are you okay are the dogs okay and he's like yes we're fine but the car's kind of fucked up and I'm like it's okay truthfully I don't know how I was like so zen in this moment because it was like I was full of anxiety, but I'm like, it's okay. It's like, it's just a thing. We can get it fixed as long as the dogs are safe and you're safe. It's okay. Don't worry about it. I think that he was actually a lot more stressed about it than I was because he knew the amount of pressure and stress that I was under, but it was all good. So my Jeep got sideswiped and that sucks. Now I have to get that fixed, but we'll take care of that. So I walked to the gate. And I was just waiting for the flight to board and get on the plane and start my journey to Las Vegas. I hadn't taken a flight to Las Vegas from Chicago in a long time, so I forgot like how long it was. And I really just spent the entire time just like reading, trying not to like immerse myself in too much of the divorce stuff because I could have, I had brought all my files on the plane and I could have done a lot more preparation um, now that I look back. But I just needed to like put myself in this mental space where it's like, I'm not going to worry about it. Whatever happens, happens. And I think that that actually was the right thing to do. So while I was on the plane, like I had mentioned before, I was reaching out to some of my friends that had said like, hey, if you ever need a room, let me know. And um, none of them could really pull anything off because it was, I'm trying to think. It was Super Bowl, but also like it was like a few days before Super Bowl and while the room rates for like just booking a hotel online weren't that expensive, I think that like people were assuming that if you wanted to use points that you were going to stay through. So there wasn't a lot of options. Um, I ended up talking to a friend who actually 
was like, hey, I got you. And he actually like put me up at a room at Mandalay Bay, which was awesome. And I was like, oh, okay, thank you. I'm always like super skeptical when people do nice things for me because I'm like, okay, well, what are you expecting in return? But this person was like, no, you know, like sometimes you have to do nice things for people just because they're good people. And I'm like, okay. So I land and I got a call from another friend who was like, hey, what uh, terminal are you at? And I'm like, "Mm, one, why? And he's like, oh, so-and-so sent me to pick you up. And I'm like, oh, I didn't even realize this. And so one of my friends had arranged for someone to pick me up and actually had also arranged a room for me to stay in. But I let them know that I had a room. And so this person took me to Mandalay Bay and I checked in and I went up to the room and it was like a really, really nice like suite and I'm so thankful. Um, yeah, it was just super, super nice and like I I couldn't be more thankful to this individual for doing that for me because, you know, this is a person who barely knows me and just when people do nice things for you, um, you should say thank you a lot because it doesn't happen and it's pretty rare, especially with nothing in ask for in return. So I think when I got to the room is when it really set in that like, I don't know, I think it was probably 11 o'clock and I had an hour before it was my birthday and I knew that I had all my paperwork and I needed to write some stuff up online about the court case and like submit a few things Um, but I was like you know what I'm here by myself I never thought that I would be celebrating my 33rd birthday alone so I'm gonna go downstairs and I'm gonna have a drink and maybe play a slot machine or something and ring in my birthday not looking at legal paperwork and thinking about tomorrow or what's to come. So I did that and I went downstairs and I got like a glass of champagne and I sat at one of my favorite slot machines and I will say this is kind of like a weird I don't know it was a weird realization but The last time I had been in Las Vegas, obviously, and had been in a casino actively playing anything was with Dick. So when I had this like urge, like I wanted to play a slot machine, it actually felt like horrible. Like in my gut, I was like, oh my God, am I addicted to gambling too? Like, did he rub off on me? Like, do I really, should I be doing it? Like I felt bad doing what everyone around me is in Vegas to do. But because that there's like such a negative undertone with gambling and anything that has to do with money and I was just like, I shouldn't be doing this. But I like brushed it off because I'm like, you know what, fuck this. Like I deserve to have fun. You know what I mean? Like I I deserve if I if I'm gonna spend my birthday alone waiting for my divorce trial, I'm gonna have some fun. So I did. So I started playing the slot machine and I mean it was going fine. It wasn't like anything crazy. And then I was like, okay, it's my birthday. It turned 12 o'clock and I think it was around 1230 and I like got up from the one I was at and I walked over and I saw, um, gosh, what is it? Oh, it's like the Lord of Ring, Lord of the Rings slot machine, which is like really pretty and big and flashy and has all these lights. And I played it before, but I was like, okay, why not? So I started playing it and I played for like 15 minutes, you guys, and I hit a jackpot and I won like $1,500. Like the thing was like going off. They had to come over and like hand pay me. And so that was a really cool way to bring in, I guess, my 33rd year is winning a jackpot. I had never done that 
before. It has never happened. Like I win sometimes at the casino, but never like where the machine stops and they have to come over and give you a 1099 or whatever it is. Like that was pretty crazy. So that was good. And I was like, okay, time to go upstairs. Like finish my drink. I went upstairs. There was some additional documentation that I needed to submit to the courts before the court date. And while it was now the day of, as far as like the, the clock was concerned, um, I wanted to make sure that I got my financial updated financial information into them as well as a pretrial memorandum. So kind of just going over what I would be uh, showing in the court. So I got that in and then I just went to bed. Um, I love sleeping in hotels. I always get the best sleep. So I went to bed and I woke up and it was my birthday and I opened the blinds and, you know, great view of the strip. I actually had gotten a call that morning. My first call of the day was from Italian Batman and he wished me happy birthday. And we were just kind of talking about what the day would look like. And he's like, hey, you know what? Don't worry. No matter what happens, like you're going to be divorced and it's all going to be good. No stress. So he's like, what are you doing until, you know, your one o'clock or one thirty court date? And I'm like, well, I'm not really sure. I should probably look over everything I have. And he's like, why don't you order yourself some room service? And there was actually like a big bubble bath in the room. And he's like, take a bath and um, just relax. Like everything is going to go perfect today. Like, don't worry about it. So I did. So I called room service. And I got in the bathtub and I was in the bathtub just kind of listening to music and I got a call from Marissa and we talked for a little bit and she was just kind of like mentally gassing me up about the day and we were talking about what I was going to wear and then I got a knock on the door, my food arrived, got off the phone with her, ate a little bit and started kind of getting ready for the day. So I um, was doing my makeup and all of that finally get all of my paperwork together and I was told that I should arrive at court an hour early so that would be 12 30 and court was only like 15 minutes away so I had to check out of the room so I brought my bags downstairs to the bellhop and like the place is like buzzing you guys like Super Bowl fans everywhere and I'm like in my business clothes and I have my my to me backpack on with basically it's like my briefcase and I'm just walking around so I went out to the Uber stand and I got an Uber to the courthouse and I think on the way there I probably talked to Italian Batman for a little while and then I'm standing outside the courthouse and I'm like, oh boy, because like, I don't know if he's going to be in there or not, but the possibility of him being inside was 100% there, so mentally I'm kind of freaking out. I'm kind of like, okay, just stay calm, Amanda you know, I guess I have to like preface this a little bit with, I had not seen him in person since August of 2023, which I'll get to, um, if not in this episode in the next one, but I hadn't seen him in person. I had seen him virtually on the Zoom court dates that had come before uh, this trial date. And to tell you, how I felt every time I saw him on Zoom for these hearings, um, I can only describe it as, like, panic. Like, 
seeing him sitting there the first time in his wedding suit, um, just smiling and like laughing and just being so nonchalant about the whole ordeal, um, really like sent me to another level, um, anxiety wise. And so I was not sure how I was going to react, how my body was going to react when I would see him in the flesh, you know, I was scared that I would feel positive emotions for him, even though I didn't think that that could possibly be true or could happen. Um, I was scared that I, I was unaware of how I would react. And so I took a deep breath and I walked in and I felt very prepared and I go through security and the security guys were like all so nice and everything. And I got upstairs kind of checking out like the lay of the land like I was going to be upstairs on the third floor okay is this the courtroom does it say that it's still here yes so then I started um I sat down and I started like kind of writing like my opening statement because I hadn't done it but I'm I feel like I write better when it's kind of last minute and off the cuff kind of so I did that and I kind of had heard like his voice like echoing through the lobby and I'm like oh boy okay so I, I continue on what I was doing and then out of the corner of my eye I saw him to my left and he was like walking towards where I was seated right outside the courtroom and I did I panic I don't know I don't think I panicked but I was like oh great because he wasn't with his attorney and so he's continuing to walk towards me and so I basically like put my stuff in my backpack really quick and I got up and I walked directly towards him, but right past him. And as I walked right past him, he had made like this little gesture, like he was going to like turn and talk to me. And I was like, the fuck you are like, I'm not talking to you, dude. But I thought that that was like, so dick, you know, like, it's so him to like, act like everything is okay. And, you know, I'm not gonna lie, like I, I had told a bunch of people, like, I would bet my life on the fact that he is going to say, like, oh, happy birthday to you, like, to me. And um, I feel like that could have been the opportunity that I just didn't give it to him. So I just went into the bathroom. And I think there's about 15 minutes before court's supposed to start now. And I'm looking at myself in the mirror. And I even, like, took a picture and a video of me because I was, like, in a fucking, like, shaky panic mood. And I just wanted to remember it. And I'm like, it's okay. Like, you got this. Like, don't worry. You have everything that you need to show, like, what kind of person that he is. The manipulation, the financial abuse. Like, you got this. Just remember that you got this. Don't let them shake you. And so I walked out. And now I see that his attorney is with him. And so I kind of sat, like, further away. But within, like, an eye shot of the court door so I can see when it was going to be open. So I sat there and his attorney actually like got up and walked over to me and I'm like, what the fuck do you want? And she's like, so you still want to go to trial? And I was like, yes. Like, why would I have gone through all of this and fly here? Like if I didn't want to be, she's like, okay, well, you know, like just some housekeeping, like all the evidence that you're going to submit, like I'm going to call to have it be thrown away. And I'm like, okay, on what basis? She's like, oh, well, you didn't submit it in time and the way you submitted it was incorrect. And I'm like now thinking to myself, like, is that true? 
did I submit it incorrectly? I know that it was late, but the, the judge had told me prior that she would accept anything that I would submit because he had failed to submit any financial information um, for himself. So I'm like, okay. And she's like, oh, and like, I know that you have the order to hold him in contempt, but you didn't file the order to show proof. So I'm going to throw that out too. And truthfully, like, you know, that was a my bad because I didn't realize I had to submit an, another order after I was given the okay to show proof. Um, it's a lot of procedural stuff that I did incorrectly because I'm not an attorney and like I was unaware. So I'm like, okay, we'll see how this goes. Um, and then she was like, well, do you have your binder of evidence? And I was like, binder of evidence? I said, I submitted the evidence to you and to the judge. And she was, no, well, you're required to have it printed out. And I'm like, fuck. Because no one had told me this. There was nothing like in any of the do-it-yourself, self-help, like anything. <laughs> there was nothing that said I had to have it printed out. If I knew that, I definitely would have because it was hundreds and hundreds of pages of documents, which I think is really profound to kind of set that binder and say, here you go, like I have all of this. But I didn't, and that sucked. So now it's time to go into the courtroom, and um, we go in. He's sitting to my left. I'm on the right. The judge is in front of us. And so she says, okay, opening statements. And his attorney's opening statement essentially was like, you know, Amanda doesn't want Dick to move on, and, you know, she wants to get more money out of him even though she's already put him in a horrible financial situation and we shouldn't even be here because this isn't even an alimony case based off of the, both of their incomes um, and that she that's what she was going to prove today in court. My opening statement was really, it, it was an emotional one. It was, you know, hey, based off of my evidence, like I'm going to show that I went through severe financial abuse, emotional abuse, manipulation and that really the whole entire marriage and relationship with the plaintiff dick was fraudulent and that that's what i was going to show with the evidence that i had brought to the court today so after that his attorney motions for her housekeeping items and is like the contempt needs to be thrown out because she didn't file this Okay, the judge throws that out. So now he won't be found in contempt. He won't go to jail. Okay. The next is that all of my evidence that I had submitted correctly while late, that she was motioning to have that thrown away on the basis of the fact that I didn't bring a binder and that it was submitted incorrectly, that I had submitted a link to a Dropbox as opposed to all of the items individually. And wouldn't you know it, the judge okayed that. So now all of the evidence that I have, I no longer have. I can't reference it. So if you know anything about how a trial goes, um, you have to go up and give witness. And so he was first, and his attorney asked him a series of questions about basically all of the financial pieces that I had brought to the table, um, all of our debts, and overall dislike about our life as a married couple. And when I tell you that this man put his hand on 
the Bible and said that he was going to tell the whole truth, he didn't a lot. And there was a lot of perjury that happened. And it's, um, I hate to use the word unfair because whenever I, I think to myself, well, that's not fair. I think about Dick and his father saying, well, Amanda, life's not fair in the back of my head. And I think that that's a really pessimistic thing, outlook to have and to say to other people. But it really isn't fair. And so his attorney asked him all these questions. Um, I talk about like property that we have together, meaning like things because we don't actually have property. Um, but he had again left me with all of his stuff here in Illinois when he abandoned me. Um, some major things being like our tennis ball machine that we had purchased together, um, the bed that we slept in and like his clothes and, and personal belongings. Um, and so she was asking that I return all of those things to him. Okay, fine. So then it was my turn to question him, which was really kind of awkward. If you think about it, like I have to ask him direct questions about, our relationship but as my own attorney so I had to straight up ask the judge like can I say like me and like us and like and she's like yeah like just be candid so I did and um one of the main questions that I did actually get him to admit was that when we were on our way to Las Vegas I said you know did you or did you not say that I didn't have to have a job as long as I was assisting you with our company and keeping the house clean and laundry and he was like yes I did which would then prove that I was not intentionally not getting hired or having a job or making any money, but that we had an agreement that I would be the homemaker. You would think that that would hold some weight, but that actually didn't, given the fact that all of my evidence that showed his financial manipulation was no longer able to be used. So then he gets off the stand and the judge was like, okay, like, do you have any witnesses? And I was like, like just myself and him. And I had already asked him questions, you know? So the judge was like, well, would you like to take the stand to give your testimony? And based off of his attorney's interrogation of him and her objecting to basically every single thing that I had asked when I was asking him, like the cross-examination questions, I it was like pretty clear, like the way that this was going to go. And I don't really think that if I had went up on the stand and, you know, gave my testimony about my experiences, that things would have been any different because throughout the course of the trial already today, and then everything before this, I had really interweaved my testimony into everything that I said. And So I said, no, I'm good. And I really feel like that was like me like waving the white flag. But it was really obvious that I I had no right being in the courtroom by myself, trying to defend myself as my own attorney um, without being an attorney. Um, And it was pretty devastating to be there and to feel like embarrassed 
and defeated like in front of him and I don't want to say that like I just like gave up right there but I kind of did and um I feel like that I I couldn't continue to like fight without my ammunition and everything that I had brought as ammunition was not able to be used so then the judge was like okay let's break so him and his attorney went out into the hall and I went out into like the waiting room I'm just sitting in there um I turned my phone off and I wasn't really planning on like turning it back on until I was done so I'm just really sitting in there like twiddling my thumbs I think I actually like maybe I did turn it on or it was on airplane mode or something but I was like looking like what is the soonest flight I can get out of this place like oh so I did hear like him and his attorney like chatting and they were like talking like they were friends like they had known each other for a long time like shooting the shit swearing like talking about like people that they knew mutually and all this stuff and I was like oh that's interesting like you're actually friends with your attorney okay um so the bailiff like calls us back in and the judge kind of started off with like a little bit of a narrative and she was talking about how like she does believe that everybody should have their day in court be able to present the evidence um and to be able to get their side heard and I think based off of the past experiences that I had had with her and the past I don't know I guess like hearings that we had had they had all really gone my way and I think that she I just felt like this like I feel bad for you vibe because it was kind of like I my hands were tied as to what I could do and she kind of saw that so as far as it goes like I thought that the worst thing that could happen out of the divorce trial was that I would end up getting divorced and I wouldn't get alimony but that he had he had agreed already to pay for 50% of the debt. Well, in reality, the worst thing that could possibly happen was that I would be divorced and his attorney would ask for his attorney's fees to be paid for by me and that the judge would grant that, which is what happened. So, <laughs> yeah, it's defeating, don't you think? for the person who got all of her money taken away and bankrupted to now have to pay for his attorney's fees and to pay him his wild. Well, also then I have to return the bed that I sleep on every night. So the bed is getting literally taken out from underneath me. Um, and I have to pay all of the debtors because they're in my name and it is my responsibility to reach out to him now to get whatever I pay reimbursed in 50%, which if you can imagine getting money out of him, whether it's ordered or not, um, it's pretty difficult. And I did bring that up. I was like, if you think that he's going to pay me, like, that's not going to happen. And the judge was like, well, you know how to file orders for contempt, obviously. So, you know, if he doesn't, then we'll, I'll see you right back here. So yeah, that's how that went. Um, it's devastating and it's defeating. And for a person who has spoke so highly of 
the judicial system and ethics and morals and values and just being just overall for something like this to go this way this is really those moments where people like question why they even did something in the beginning and um I do I question why I even wanted to go to trial at this point um I guess I just believed in myself and in the law too too much and that's very humbling but it's the truth so I I always tell you guys the truth and yeah I wasn't prepared and I will say too like along this whole like timeline of me deciding I want to go to trial and then getting to the actual trial I had a lot of people like tell me that they would help me I had a lot of attorneys tell me hey yeah like I'll look this over like I'll stand for you at court or I'll put you in touch with somebody who will take care of this for you and like they will represent you probably five to ten people and not one of those people panned out and so there's really like this moment where I'm like I cannot count on anybody else but myself and so that whole day for the rest of the day it was my birthday right I'm getting all these birthday texts and calls and my mom's calling me my dad's calling me my grandma everybody I did not answer one call I don't think that I answered one text, Instagram message, Facebook message. Like I, I was dead to the world because I truthfully, I was embarrassed. You guys, like I was embarrassed. I wanted to have a good outcome. I wanted to be able to have a story that I was like, wow, the law prevailed correctly. Like justice was served and, um, that wasn't the case and so that was like a really devastating blow to me so I had talked to my one friend who is the GM at Komodo at the new Fountain Blue and he was like hey why don't you come over here check out the hotel because it's really beautiful and like I'll buy you dinner and um obviously I was actively looking for a flight to get out that night and my intention was to fly out of Las Vegas and get on a plane to head to New York City, um, which is where Italian Batman resides. So I had found one, I booked it, but it wasn't leaving until I think it was like 11 p.m. that night. It was a red eye, and I think it was really only like three o'clock when I got out of court. So I went in the Fountain Blue and I sat at a bar and I drank some champagne even though it wasn't a celebration, played some slot machines. And then one of my friends actually came and met me at Komodo and we had appetizers and drinks there. And after that, then he drove me to get my bag and to the airport. And I got on a flight. I almost missed it, which is crazy, but I got on the flight and I slept all the way through all the way through to, I actually flew into Newark, um, and I think I ended at like 9 a.m., and I got out, I got a car, and I made my way over to Italian Batman, and um, he actually greeted me at the door with a birthday cake with candles lit, and was like, don't say anything, just make a wish first, and I did, 
and that was really special. So the next few days really consisted of me having a a super handsome tour guide show me around all of New York. Um, We went to the Bronx. We went to Manhattan. I actually, it was so fun. I got to eat New York City pizza, which was really good. Even though I'm a huge Chicago pizza advocate, New York pizza is amazing in a different way. And then we actually stumbled upon a perfume shop, um, the Bond Number no. 9, like original like storefront, and I was able to go in there and find a perfume that I've been trying to find forever, which I got for myself, and it smells so good, and that was really nice. So I got my birthday present for myself, and yeah, we just did a lot of just like fun exploring stuff the next few days. He cooked me some nice homemade meals. Obviously, he's Italian, so he made like home, homemade pasta, and we had some really nice wines and ate a lot of freaking pastries and cookies. Oh my gosh. Like between cold cuts and like bakery items, I like, I feel like everyone on the East Coast just lives off of these things, and I could too because they were so amazing. So, then I, there was a snowstorm too also. Oh my gosh. So I love blizzards and there actually was a snowstorm. So I actually stayed a few extra days because my flight was delayed and it was, so, it was so cool to be in New York for the snow. And then I came home and I got to see my family and, um, you know, just a lot of hugs and like, Hey, I'm so sorry that this didn't go the way that you wanted it to go, but like, it's okay. Like now we move forward. So, that is how all of that went, and I'm really sorry that I don't have a better common story for you guys, but it's been really humbling the past week to realize that all of the effort that I had put into collecting all of this evidence and getting it put together to submit correctly, that um, it was kind of a waste of time, but in the grand scheme of things, I think that going through the process, um, taught me a lot and I feel like I am humbled, but also proud of myself for really sticking with it. There were many times that I wanted to give up and I mean, I guess now rightfully I should have, but, um, I'm really glad that I was able to be in the same room as him, um, and not completely lose it and just had... (laughs) As I had mentioned before, I really was like, I bet he's going to say happy birthday. One of the things that really was profound was that when everything was said and done and and he quote unquote won, right? Because who wins in a divorce? It's not like it's a lawsuit. But he, as I'm walking away, he was like, hey, happy birthday. I hope you had a great day. Like so condescending and fucking rude, you guys. So, yeah. That's how that went. So now to get into the good stuff. And I'm not sure if you guys have noticed, but obviously because of everything going on, I did not release a new episode last Tuesday. However, I did post on social media to check out Secrets of a Sugar Daddy podcast because I was a guest on their most recent episode. And so definitely go check that out because that kind of was a placeholder Um, and gave me a little bit of time, much needed time off before we resumed into 
what you're about to hear today, which is episode 18. And yeah, so let's dive into that. So just to kind of paint the picture of the timeline, I had seen the video from the OnlyFans girl, uh, Lizard Bitch, right? That's, that's her name on June 1st of 2023. I didn't say anything to him right away. I didn't know what to do, but I knew that if I kept it close to the vest, that this was going to be something that the ball was in my court on. And up until this point, that hadn't happened frequently at all. So I saw the video June 1st and I hadn't heard from him. But then on June 6th, he actually sent me a cash app for $33.33 with a note saying, I love you and I'm so sorry. And I was like, really? $33.33? Like, I get it. It's my lucky number. Like, okay, but this is how you're going to say you're sorry. And this is how you're going to initiate communication again after all this time. I didn't initially respond back to him. However, he had sent me a message saying, like, did you get my cash app? And I was like, yes, this is how you're going to apologize for basically being rogue and going off the radar this whole time. And he's like, I'm just sorry. And he really started kind of like love bombing me. And it felt good in this moment. I'm not going to lie. After seeing all of that, it felt good. And it actually made me question the reality of the situation. So I had seen this video and I was absolutely positive that it was my husband dripping out of this woman, but I had no proof. So in my head, I'm thinking, well, maybe like, maybe it's not what I think. Maybe there was somebody else there with them. Maybe he just came along for the ride and it wasn't just them two. Like, maybe I'm wrong. I am like questioning my own sanity at this point because now he's like, I miss you. I can't wait to come home. Like we can spend our anniversary and my birthday together, all of this stuff. Like, okay. So I'm just going along for the ride because it feels good. I'm getting like this serotonin dump, you know, and I noticed that he actually went back to Las Vegas and he actually was then posting pictures and videos of him being in Hawaii. And I'm like, you were just in Minnesota. Now you're in Hawaii. I'm like, what are you doing in Hawaii? And he's like, oh, well, I'm here with Hawaii sugar daddy. And, you know, he's taking me on a uh, early like birthday shopping spree or something like that just some bullshit and again like I had this smoking gun in my pocket that I could have like just been like um look at this and what the fuck and I know that you were there but I didn't because I wanted him to prove me wrong I wanted him to openly admit it and and explain it to me before I had to present it to him which is stupid of me and I think that a lot of you guys will relate to this, but like, if you know something and you feel it in your gut, you're probably right and you should bring it up because it's probably true, you know? Um, so on June 10th, actually, um, I went out for one of the first times with my friends. I went out with my neighbor. We just went to a bar, uh, down the way and I was having a good time. I was kind of sad though still. Cause like, even though he was in communication with me, like it, 
I don't know when he's going to come home. I also felt like embarrassed because my friends were like, well, where is he? And I'm like, oh, he's in Vegas. And there's a lot of questions surrounding this, you know? So embarrassed to actually tell the truth to my friends. And um, I was drinking that night, actually, which I had tried to avoid. So then it's like late and me and my friends like walk back. And I think that we were sitting in my garage and um, I got a message to my Instagram and it was like you have a message request from so and so and I was like okay so I just ignored it but then like they left and I read it and it was a note from lizard bitch from her Instagram to my Instagram and the message says I don't know if you guys are truly still together or not but based on you requesting me and your profile I'm assuming you are and I removed myself from the equation felt you should know but I will not be responding beyond this and she included screenshots of text conversation between her and Dick the first screenshot is a really long message from him to her and it reads no matter how much I love you right off the bat in parentheses maybe drugs help that but barely There's no way for me to have moved on from my situation in a couple of weeks. That would make no sense, and I think that would be more concerning for me to have done that in such a short period of time to the point that it would be sociopathic, regardless of the consequences that the relationship had on my life and the emotional difficulties to me personally over the last couple years. There's no way for that to have just vanished in two plus weeks in a healthy way. But that final stretch of the imagination means that I changed my mind and I want to stay married or anything like that. But yeah, obviously it's hard to just be like, oh yeah, I'm over my marriage and my wife and she can get fucked. Regardless of the ups and downs of the struggle, that relationship, as I don't even necessarily want to bring you in on all of that, but there was so much energy and effort put into that for so long and it's still a process to heal and mend my heart and come back to who I am after such a hard time. And I'm like, wow. So first of all, it says that he loves her. That's crazy. Okay. And then I look at the next one. And the next screenshot was basically like just a conversation of texting between the two of them. And the first part was like talking about like her suffocating him while he was eating her out or something and she's like haha like I love you and he's like I love you too you're awesome and she said are you coming to my brother's wedding he's asking me for a head count and he's like if you want me to yes and she's like yes so then she shares a screenshot of her saying like oh I have a date and I'm so excited for you to meet him he's wonderful all of this stuff so that was like pretty crazy because I'm like, no, like we're very much still married. And I kind of gave her like a brief synopsis of like what had been going on and transpired over the past few months. And I was just like, this is so crazy to me because like, how could you know anything about my relationship and truthfully and still feel like you could start a new one with him? And she said to me, and this was so direct her messaging me even his friends played along I met his friends and they were like thank you for being so good to dick he really deserves this and we're happy you're in his life now and told me how toxic you were to him and how nice it was to see him happy I just feel so stupid 
It's just unbelievable because he said you did all of this to him. He said that the only reason you had his number is because you called his dad making threats so he confronted you. I don't get it. He even made phone calls to his bank and gambling site changing the passwords and said you had access and to block any access from you. We literally had sex and were laying there and he freaked out saying you were trying to drain his account and got an alert. Some of the things he told me didn't fully add up to me, but I assumed he was just all over the place from being stressed. He said you guys moved back to Vegas to be closer to friends and that you were pushing children on him, but that he didn't want any and it caused a lot of fights. He said that he ended things so you left to Chicago and stole all of his belongings. He told me you sold his car, lol, and that he moved in with Matt and had to buy all new clothes. He said he ended the lease because Matt and him had lived together before, so he figured it would be easier and rent-free. Okay. Like, really? I sold his car? The one that got repossessed? And I, why would I steal all of his things and move back to Chicago? Like, was him coming back to Chicago was a whole experience? Like, did I make that up? No, like, that was real life. But here, here's how it goes. It's like, he will tell anybody anything that makes him look good and they believe it because if you look I just look like the crazy person who is posting nice stuff about him and nothing that him or I say is supported by like the visual representation of what is publicly out there for people to find so you know I it's just really crazy because she had sent me so many screenshots screenshots of them together with his family screenshots of them just having like candid conversation there's one here that says like this is from him today I laughed because I thought about the fact that two weeks ago you had said to me yeah just don't grab my boobs when I asked if I could dance with you and she said and now you don't touch my boobs enough funny how that works he said that is funny how that works lol she said we could be having real sex right now for the first time he said we haven't even had real sex yet, lol. And she said, no, sex on my period and quiet sex in our Airbnb room with my niece outside the door doesn't count. I like a lot of foreplay, oral, not being rushed. He said, good point. Real sex for the first time is valid. And then she proceeds to say some gross ass shit. And then another screenshot. Let's see. We, this is from him. We spent the first, like, 12 days we knew each other together. I have faith we can coordinate schedules. I will make it a point to articulate my wants and needs ahead of time with you so we can have good communication and be on common ground. She said, wow, you're so in love. He said, I just feel like that's best for both of us. She said, well, yes, of course. She said, tell me to go on a walk around the lake. And he said, go take a walk around the lake, baby. And she said, okay, I'm taking the long way. We need to fix my garage. Just random conversations that would like just allude to like the fact that they're so in love and this is a real relationship. She sent me one that was from him that was pretty long. Um, it says, you're not competing with anyone. I think that you're fantastic and have missed you the last day or so of not being around you. I love that you want me to keep elevating and be on on the up and up and I think that there was somehow just a massive misunderstanding about what I was trying to say or I was just being brain dead retard and said something I didn't mean or realize 
the sincere desire for me to remove things holding me back and continue to elevate my life and vibrations is noble and really awesome. Thank you for that. There's another one that said from him, and this was when he was in Hawaii. Going to have some breakfast now. I've been working on my laptop since I woke up. I miss you. It's weird spending every day together since we met than not seeing you for a few days. And she said, I miss you too. You'll have to help me. I feel like this isn't aligned. I'm not sure how to fix it. And she sends them a picture of something she was hanging on the wall. Um, let's see. They're talking about having their first real date. And then here's one that says, I'm still obsessed with you from him. And she says, prove it. He says, haha, I would be happy to. He says, we're going to reattach at the hip when you're back indefinitely. She said, do you want to go to L.A.? on Sunday until Monday he said in theory I think that's fine I just need to double check when I record again it might be on Monday talking about his pointless videos that he recorded in a studio in Vegas he said Tuesday is studio session so I say let's run it another text message thread from him good morning she said good morning baby she said baby will you get our tickets to St. Lucia so we can sit next to each other and he said I'd be happy to she said, okay, I'm only seeing one direct flight, so we should do that one. Three hours versus 16 hours. He said, okay. She said, American Airlines. Let me know when and I'll send my info. Getting ready to shoot now. I land in Miami June 20th at 4 p.m. And, and he said, which flights are you referring to that is direct? And she sent a flight that was from Miami to St. Lucia on June 21st of 2023. Now... I don't know if you guys remember, but June 21st, 2023 is my one year anniversary. So what this woman had told me was that my husband at the time was planning on being with her on a beach vacation in St. Lucia starting the day of my anniversary. And I'm like, what the fuck? Like, holy shit, this is absolutely crazy to me like is this real life how is this possible that he that he could be doing this and then right now I'm having conversations with him like everything is okay so that was really that was the straw that was the straw that broke the camel's back where I was like I have to tell him I have to tell him that I know now so my message to him late late that night I sent him a text and I said I hope you rot in hell and find a dark place to crawl into when I tell everyone who you are globally. You're a predator. You're a monster. And I'm glad that you never get a chance to see your daughter. She's an angel and you will never deserve to be her father, you disgusting piece of shit. I hope you die and remember all of the things that you could have had with me. Also, my attorneys will have subpoenas on deck for all of your sugar daddies. Good luck surviving, you disgusting piece of fucking shit which I think was actually pretty good. I'm not going to lie. I think that really got the point across. And then in the morning, the following morning, he replied. He didn't call. He just replied via text. And he said, I'm very sorry. I know you don't deserve that. I think with those text messages, the text message that I had sent, I think I sent screenshots of her and my conversation so that he knew that I knew. So what he had said back to me 
after I'm sorry you don't deserve that, which obviously, you idiot. I know that we have made a lot of mistakes weighing the options of working on our marriage and trying to use anything as an excuse to validate running away from it. I know in a lot of ways it's easier to run away or lie or both than it is to face the reality that is my life and I've worked on being more honest and forthright. I truly don't know if we can move past this and be together or if it's over for sure now and I did this subconsciously knowing that it would be perhaps the final blow, which ironically in Japanese is called harakiri, to stab oneself in the stomach with his own sword. I hurt for you and I'm sorry for the pain I have caused you. I know you've tried hard to love me and be there for me and us. Oh, you guys. If I could explain to you how this made me feel, I would be a really good wordsmith. I um I don't I don't have words actually for how this made me feel. Because I thought that he would deny it. I thought that he would deny it and I could stay in this mad moment where I was just fueled by anger because being fueled by anger again is so much easier than being fueled by sadness. But he didn't deny it. And if I think about the one thing that I had always said to myself, to my support, to him even that I would not tolerate it was cheating and now he had done the one thing that I was not supposed to put up with that I was supposed to just be able to walk away from but he's being honest about it and I know and you're probably saying like Amanda please don't tell me that you were like hey maybe we could still work this out but that's where my brain went that's immediately where my brain went in this in this moment and he fed off of that he could tell and he booked a flight to Chicago for the very next day and I was like what are you gonna do like because you can't come and stay at my mom's house and you can't come and stay at my dad's house they they fucking hate you he's like I'll figure it out I'll figure it out and so he's acting like this leader like this alpha like this man who's gonna like take all of the weight off of my shoulders and like make it up to me right and he's talking about how he's going to make all of this right and he's so very sorry that this happened so while he's telling me that he's going to be on his way back soon and oh I'm packing now and kind of just the same old monotonous bullshit which he you know was probably not going to come back I still was having communication with lizard bitch and she's like telling me that like they matched every day for EDC that they bought matching clothes when they went to the Minnesota Twins game, that he paid for everything, that he was paying for dinners for her family, that they had matching necklaces and bracelets, and they were all his idea. He told her that he wanted to get them matching Rolexes and that he'd use his credit card because he has amazing benefits, which is actually my credit card, and that the whole entire time that they were at EDC, like, he definitely did not have on a wedding band. So, like, I just thought that that was so crazy because she was like, wait, he was talking to you the whole time, like, that I was with him at EDC, like, sending you videos, and I would send her the pictures and videos and, like, affirm that. And she was like, this is so crazy, just, like, so many unbelievable lies. Um, He said he wanted to move in with me eventually and that we could get jellyfish for my fish tank. Like, all of this crazy, crazy stuff, like, she was saying that 
when they were at EDC together that they had ran into some woman who was like a blonde like bimbo-y looking bitch that like had huge fake boobs and that her guess was that he has been cheating on me for a long time because he swore that he never cheated but then like the the first day at EDC they ran into this girl who was like kind of weird and awkward around them which I later had found out that this was like the $300 anal girl who he had promised to take to EDC but he had actually taken lizard bitch so that was probably awkward for him and for both of them but yeah so like I'm still having these conversations and I just feel like I need to continue communicating with her because I'm like I know for a fact that if he's still talking to her she's gonna tell me and I don't know like I everything I shouldn't have done that because everything that she was telling me it just made me feel worse and worse about myself because she was saying things like you want to have sex with me like all day every day like three times a day four times a day and I was like no I need to work and all this stuff so I'm like it's just so weird to me you know um so you know kind of back to present time he is packing his stuff up over at Matt's house and he's telling me I need to get another suitcase like all my stuff doesn't fit I want to bring everything home and just be done with this and blah 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 blah. and I'm like okay well then fucking do that I'm like literally all you need to do is is prove yourself to me I'm like wear your fucking wedding band like create the alliance between us again I'm like and then we can talk I said but if I find out or get another fucking message or tweet or text from that person rubbing in the fact that she is with you or sleeping with my husband or I see you wearing that fucking ugly necklace or bracelet and not your wedding band that's a declaration of war to me I said you have some major choices that determine your future and success and family I'm like you need to go and call our EAP and get a counselor's appointment and I'm like you know what you need to go talk to a counselor not a bimbo who has all these videos of her sucking dudes off on the internet and I'm sure you'll get some better advice on what you should do with your life I said I'll talk to you later I'm fucking angry and I don't want to say things I don't mean like really like I I can't do this right now so he's supposed to come back the following morning does he show up nope he doesn't does he have an excuse for it nope he just stops answering doesn't show up so on June 11th I had sent her a message after having like a lot of communication with her but now I and I guess in this mindset, like, he didn't lie about it, so he's being forthright, like, maybe we can make, like, maybe we can get through this, if he's gonna be honest, maybe we can get through this, and I know how fucking stupid and dumb that seems, but my life was crumbling, and I couldn't fucking take it, you guys, and I was like, I just, if he's gonna try, like, that's better than any other time, you know, I had sent her a message, and I said, can I ask you to please respect me as a woman and respect my marriage and my husband and please remove yourself from our lives? I'm so sorry, lizard bitch. I'm trying to save my marriage. Please. Dick means everything to me. He has faults, but I knew that from day one and I choose him every single day, faults and all. And she responded back to me and said, we continued going on dates as well as having sex. He bought his plane ticket for us to spend Miami together with proof from the 20th to the 25th, as well as promises to not only be with me, but he's super inconsistent and I'm far too good for this. So yes, I will now be removing myself from this. Best of luck, heart. So this is when things start getting really, really interesting, okay? 
she had said that she was going to remove herself because she was way too good for this, you know? And he was telling me that he wasn't communicating with her. Well, on the 11th, I received that message. And then on the 18th, so there's a solid week of him like saying that he's committed, that he's coming back, even though he had missed that flight. Um, she had sent me text messages that were between the two of them that were from that week and you know from her it says all I ask is that you truly be done with Amanda that's very bad energy for me and you as well it's not fair you got to be fully in and he said I think that is more than fair to ask for both of our sakes and she said dinner tonight and he said I have a very busy four hours of listening to my hero, but I think that would be nice. It does make me sad to think that all of the lies and hurtful things said about me, not to be narcissistic, but I think that it's a reasonable response. All the money stuff, work stuff, blah, 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 is all hoopla, but that my parents despise me and whatever else terrible things she said. To say I abuse women is totally and utterly false. I just wanted to get that off my chest. And I'm like, that's all true. What are you talking about? Like, and then she sends another screenshot that says like, did you like the last time we had sex? And he said, the second one was pure, was by far the best. And I'm like, okay, so now they've had sex during this whole week of time that he's telling me that he's coming back and that I've asked her to stop contacting him. And she sent these two screenshots with a message underneath that says, happy one year anniversary with two champagne glasses clinking. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on? And then I get more and I'm reading them and I'm like, this, this just like can't be real life. So the Golden Knights had won the Stanley Cup. And he's writing to her, today's the parade for the nights on the strip, so I'll definitely be pulling up to that. And she says, send me pics and stuff, baby. And he said, I certainly will. This is really going to be one of the most exciting experiences. The next one, she said, good morning, baby. He said, thank you for being so nice to me. I appreciate it. And underneath these screenshots, she says to me, because she's sending these to me from a like text now number or something. I had blocked her phone number. She's sending these to me and she says, oh, and these are yesterday and today. So if he says we weren't still talking, we have been until I noticed you lurking my page and I blocked him. You're both mentally unstable as fuck and perfect for each other. Truly, happy one year. I'm outie. So I confront him about the fact that she's sending me these messages. And he says she's crazy. She's blackmailing me and she won't stop harassing me and that I should just block her. And I go, well, you need to block her. And he's like, she's blocked. She just keeps sending me like messages on all of these random numbers. And I'm like, okay, well, this is not all right. Like if she continues to harass us both, like we need to do something about it because this is absolutely crazy. Like you're not talking to her, right? No, I'm not talking to her, he says. Okay. So obviously with this girl having like a really like prevalent Twitter presence and, and fan base, I was like watching that because I was like, there's got to be, she's going to post something about this, right? And on the 18th, the same day she sent both of those text messages to me, like, you know, back to back, happy one year anniversary, just being so condescending and rude. She said on her Twitter, I met this man and instantly clicked. Went on a two week trip with him after knowing him four days. I know, big stupid. 
and when we returned, I found out he was married. They weren't even married for one year. I found out because she subbed to my OnlyFans and sent me like 500 messages. Not true. I'm still not even sure how she found me or found out about me. He went as far as deleting all of their pics on socials and changing his phone number so she couldn't reach him. Not only will I not use dating apps, I will no longer date men who approach me organically because the drama and stress is unreal. Be safe out there. On the morning of June 19th, I got another text from another number with more screenshots that were of him booking a flight to Miami and then to St. Lucia for them. And he said, shh, it's okay, there's no issues. And then she said underneath the screenshots, your husband was going to be fucking me on your anniversary. And I didn't reply. She then sent a screen recording of a video response that I had sent to her during the initial, hey, I don't know if you guys are still married conversation. I had, instead of typing everything back, I had recorded myself in a video, which I was crying and obviously rightfully so, you know, um, saying like, no, like that's not true. And this is the actual story and I'm crying and I look ugly and whatever. She screen recorded this video and sent it back to me. And then she said, I hope while you're with quote unquote your husband on the 21st, you can't get it out of your head that less than one week before your one year anniversary, he was taking me on dates, kissing me, sticking his dick in me multiple times, having passionate, intimate sex coming inside me. His mouth was on my pussy while expressing how happy he was to start fresh with me. We even bonded shortly laughing at your videos and how psychotic and desperate you are. And I think he said something along the lines of, you're begging to be with him because you're old and you're ugly and you're broke and aware you'll never meet another man willing to marry you. Your second marriage and less than a year in and he's already running off with another woman. Cope. She proceeded to post on her Twitter account. Also, just wanted to say, I don't have sex right away, including this scenario. Someone commented, I'm the type that you can compliment and fuck in the same day. LOL. No. We went on multiple genuine dates on top of being together 24-7 for like three weeks straight before having sex, which in a normal situation, the amount of time spent together was probably a few months if it were actually spaced out, which is a complete and utter lie because she had told me that they had sex together on day three of EDC. So now she's lying to her fan base too. What else is she lying about, you know? Um, we had to connect on so many levels before I decided I'd have sex with him, which I am always like, and I do feel that's important to add because I need a real bond prior to physical. The absolute only thing that threw me off about him was that he was married, but he legit left his wife afterwards and continued to try to date me, moved in with his friend, and she moved back in with her parents in a whole different state, but it was too far too much drama. She subbed to my OnlyFans and would send me like 20 videos back to back of her crying, and I was just like, I want to be happy and have fun. I'm not here to watch videos of people cry. Which is totally not the situation, considering she had messaged me on Instagram. I had never once sent her a message on fucking her OnlyFans. Like, why would, like, what are you talking about? That would then, like, prove that my fake OnlyFans account that saw the videos was myself, which I didn't do. So at this point, I'm, like, speaking to him not a lot. But when I am speaking to him, I'm like, I'm being harassed and I'm being harassed to the point where it's like, I, she's like threatening me and 
she's like saying that she's gonna like expose me and then he starts getting super super threatening messages from her so at this point now that he's sending me the messages that she's sending to him because I feel like now he has cut off communication like I'm like this is weird so she had sent him a message that said um if you don't repay me for the money I've sent you and pay me back for my plane tickets to and from Miami, I will be uploading the videos and screenshots of your wife saying you're abusive and dangerous. You've had plenty of opportunities to be honest about your intentions with me and you choose to bring more hell and drama into my life. And I'm like, what the actual fuck? So then he supposedly has her blocked, but then she's like sending him messages from all of these like different, um, like, iMessage accounts but then also like different phone numbers and she sent him something that said you meet someone who forgives you accepts you and wants friendship and work with you and you literally would rather lie just a few days ago I spent over an hour on the phone with you discussing all of this we go on a date and the next day you still can't do simple things like send me your flight info for Miami you don't care about anyone or how your actions impact others you think you care enough to build trust with the person you supposedly like and have plans to work with you send me your credit score, something I don't care about, I didn't ask to see, but won't send me flight details or answer anything about Miami related despite repeatedly telling me that you're going to send it. Why are you like that? This is your final opportunity to show me your Miami flight details or I'm done trying and I will not be working with you or allowing you in my life. And then she goes on to send him an Apple cash payment for $50. He doesn't respond. Isn't this how people get your attention? By sending you money, sends another $50. What's your price? Name your price. So now she's like paying him, okay, to like try and talk. So she sends $250 to him. And she said, what? My money isn't good enough for you? You'll marry a fat, insanely ugly chick who doesn't respect you and talks down on you. But when it comes to me, I get iced out. I'm not worthy of your time or honesty. Am I not valuable to you? She said, what do you get out of this? I looked up the Miami flight. I found it no issue. So obviously you at least looked into it. Maybe you do even have a ticket. So it doesn't make sense why you'd be so weird in sending me the info. I'm not even going to apologize for not trusting you when you've lied to me repeatedly every day since we met. Every time I mentioned anything Miami related, you ignored it. Despite going there and it being your idea, spending your birthday together was your idea. My guess is whoever invited you is a sugar daddy or some sort of agreement and that you're ashamed or scared to bring me around because you don't know how I'd react, which is foolish. You had the best opportunity dropped in your lap. Literally a bailout and you fucked it all up for both of us. Block me like you did on Instagram. You spent a whole ass month lying to me repeatedly and I forgave you, still. Offered to help work with you and this is what I get? Thanks. If I were you, I'd drop what you're doing and make a few hundred bucks while you're there in Hawaii and ask your wife to send you money to buy food. Was I an easy target for you? Did you have fun sitting around with your friends guessing what my income was? No wonder your ex-wife took your daughter away from you. What's funny is you didn't even fight her. Amanda did. Paid thousands trying to help. You don't care about anyone but you. Matt is there for you because he's in love with you. You'd said so to yourself. You would make jokes. He's so in love with me. Watch how he reacts when I touch him. You don't have a single genuine person in your life because all you do is lie. Your entire existence depends on everyone around you and their success. So I was like, what the fuck? And I unblocked her on Instagram and I sent her a message and said, do not contact me or my husband again. Because now I'm like, this is so crazy. I'm like, also, 
like you owe her money like what the fuck are you what do you mean so what transpired through the next couple of days was pretty crazy because it's the 19th then it's the 20th and this is what she says to me on the 20th from a different phone number thank you for your lovely idea to publicly blast dick I will be uploading all of your screenshots and videos you sent me saying he's abusive and dangerous on the 21st. Thank you for your lovely idea. And I'm like, is this blackmail? I'm pretty sure this is blackmail. She's saying, like, if I don't do something, she's going to do something. And then she also had sent, like, all of these messages to him being like, if you don't do this and send me my money back on the 21st, I'm going to create an account and invite all of your friends and family to the account and post all of the screenshots and videos of Amanda and everything. So I decided at this point that I was going to make a police report with Las Vegas PD and and, uh, try and get an order of protection, which I did. And then I also had reached out to like cyber crimes um, with like the FBI and made a case that I submitted that actually got accepted too. And I was telling him like you can't have communication with her because if you do like it's going to make all of this like go like to shit. But now it's about to be the 21st. Okay. And it's probably like 1130 on the 20th and all of a sudden my phone and my iPad and everything start blowing up so insanely you guys that I cannot even tell you what my body did in this moment. One of the things that I always used to say to Dick was that I needed him to build a fence around our marriage and our relationship and to close the gate, not look over the fence at the, at the grass, right? That the grass is always greener on the other side, but to take care of what was inside the fence. And now Dick had not only opened the gates of the fence. He's completely demolished the fence and let this snake, this lizard bitch, into our lives. And while I should be dealing with the fact that my husband was unfaithful to me and working through that, whether or not I was going to accept that and try and continue to work on things, now all of that's pushed aside because now I'm being cyber harassed. In total, in the report that I submitted to the Cybercrimes Division of the FBI, this woman had made 27 different phone numbers. She had created TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook accounts using my photos and put horrible things in the bio like, married for less than a year, husband chooses to step out and wants to fuck other women on my one year wedding anniversary over and over and over again no matter how many times or how many accounts i would block there would be a new one 
it was multiple times a day from the 10th to the 20th, 10 days of being harassed on the internet. And what was Dick doing? He was sitting in Las Vegas, not making any attempt to come home whatsoever. This is why I feel very strongly about cyber harassing because it can happen to anybody and the people that do it do not give a fuck about what mental state you're in at the time or what you're going through. In fact, they want you to crumble more and more. I had reached out to the police locally here in Huntley. There was nothing they could do about it. There was no jurisdiction over the internet if she was there and I was here. Nothing. I had asked him to go to the police in Las Vegas. Did he? Absolutely not. Next week on the Dichotomy Diaries, we will be two episodes away from me concluding my part in this story. I want you guys all to know that I'm so thankful for you listening, sharing your thoughts, sharing the podcast, supporting. You really helped me get through what was truly the most difficult time in my life, and I couldn't be more grateful. The podcast survives on the reviews and on your ability to share it with others that might find it interesting or entertaining. I find it profound that this podcast has helped so many people realize things within their own relationships that they may not have known. But as we wrap up here, I want you guys to really, really look inward and recognize your self-worth because this was something that I had such a hard time doing. I actually didn't know how to do it at all. I had given myself no value to the point where I was willing to take somebody back who did the one thing that I said that I would never take anybody back after they did. (laughs) You know, um, compromising your morals in the name of love is not smart, it's not safe, and it takes a hell of a lot of work to come back from. So as we wrap up over the next two episodes, I just really want you to think about that. Think about your worth. Think about what you bring to the table. Think about the things that you know and love about yourself that you don't need validation from anybody else to know as truthful. My name is Amanda Arnier, and this is The Dichotomy Diaries. It's not over yet till you taste regret. It's not over.